Zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours. Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I talk to comedians and other creatives about best and worst jobs that they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by waitress and comedian, Yona Mohammed. Hello. Look, I'm glad you said hello because sometimes people don't. Uh, and it's there's just a real awkward silence there. They just look at you. Yeah, they're over just like, the microphone. Yeah, That's like mean. I'm here. <laughs> okay. I'm nodding. Yes. Um. So, uh, how are you today? I'm perfectly okay and adequate. And how about you? <laughs> Absolutely fine. <laughs> uh, I'd like your top. It's very pretty. Thank you. I bought it for one pound at the charity shop. What? Yeah. By the way, Catherine looks really hot right now. You guys can't see, but she's a redhead in plaid skirt with lace. It's pretty sexy. Well, thank you. You're sexy too. Oh. Have you got any glasses? I have a lot of glasses. Ah, okay, fair enough. That's it has something to do with jobs, if I can tell you. Oh, yeah, sure. Go. So, like, when I was living... I'm from South Africa, and in my home of Johannesburg, my hometown... There was this optometrist that had glasses from like this Belgian factory and they were all really, really cool and I'd walk past them all the time but I could never buy any because they were so expensive and I loved them. And then when I got my first paid job, I took my whole month's salary and bought six pairs of glasses from the shop. Nice. And then I had no money left after that. And also I didn't realize it'll cost me a lot of money to change the lenses for six pairs of glasses every few years. Yeah. So all my glasses now have different lenses as I change them intermittently. <laughs> so are they the most up-to-date? No, these are the worst. I've not changed them. <laughs> Is that why I haven't seen them for a while? Exactly, but they go with this outfit, so... They do, they go very well with Yes. It. You guys have to believe what we're saying about how good we look. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both in our pyjamas. <laughs> I brush my teeth today. <laughs> so, I mean, um, let's get down to what the people paid for. Uh, what, what's your worst job? Okay. My worst job was the one that I've done my whole life. <laughs> or my whole career, which is journalism. Oh, okay, yeah. really? Because that's the one that people go for. They're like, yeah, I'm living the dream. I know, I know. I don't think I have that journalistic instinct, to be honest. So um, I kind of stink at it. Like, I had to do financial journalism. That sounds tough. I know, and I'd like phone... Um, like people to ask them about the markets and then I'd be like where's the money and they'd be like no it's fine it's here and I'd just take their word for it without like pressing which is what <laughs> journalists are supposed to do you're supposed to interrogate but I'd just be so happy to be off the phone that I'd just take whatever they tell me fair enough mm-hmm. who did you write for oh yeah I wrote for Reuters and maybe I can say this now mm. I also once I was sent on an assignment to go interview someone at a really nice fancy bank mm-hmm. And then there was this book at the bank. On, in the waiting room, there were a bunch of books. And there was one that I really, really liked about this artist that I loved that nobody knows because I'm a hipster. <laughs> and I took the name of the book thinking, okay, well, I'll order it from Amazon once I'm done. And then I went upstairs and did the interview. And all I could think about was how that book would not be appreciated by anyone who walks into the waiting room of a bank. And so basically that book belongs to me already. Yeah, of So I went downstairs, um, took off my jacket, put it on top of the book, and then picked everything up and left. <laughs> nice. And that is the most rewarding thing I've done as a journalist in five years of being a journalist. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> you feel really fulfilled. I, that with world. that book... It was all worthwhile. 
really, I'm that much of, I'm that into this artist. <laughs> George Bellows, by the way. Yeah. Uh, what, does, what does George do? He know. died. He was oh. a painter, but he painted boxes in New York, and it looked very nice. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll look into him. I yeah. don't know anything about Once art. you're done with your World War massacre phase. Oh my god, yeah. I've got so many books I don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and do... I haven't mentioned this on there. I'm going to try and do an offshoot about uh, women in the Second World War. Because every documentary, it's you'd be forgiven for thinking that women just stopped existing. Uh, That's what I genuinely war. thought. <laughs> yeah. There were no women for six years. I thought they just put them all in a bunker and like sort of cryogenically froze them to yeah. be fucked later on when things were better. Yeah, that's all they're for, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the women fuck. And then cook after being fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do some washing. Mm-hmm. But in the concentration camps, there was no need for food, so like women were just kind of redundant. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they didn't get to send to them either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, factually accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Historians will know this all for a fact. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so what, was it just financial journalism? You don't, uh... No, actually, I did write um, in my spare time for other publications, which I had more fun with because I got to be a bit more creative. But I just find writing so constipating mm. that even when I like something that I'm writing about, like just getting the words out, it's like I need all the laxatives <laughs> that have been made up to this point. Yeah. So it just wasn't comfortable work. Fair enough. But I enjoyed writing the articles that I wrote. Like I wrote one about like, really good food from one of my favorite places in Johannesburg that's really dirty and even though there are rats in the kitchen you will still eat that food really yeah it's just it's so good so good what uh what what kind of food is it it's just chips and steak and sausages in a box with gravy and it just makes me horny (laughs) that sounds very northern Oh, does it? Well, yeah, just chips and gravy and stuff. Yeah, but you guys have nothing on this gravy. I'm no. sorry. What's what makes it? Yeah. It's it's the rat pool, I think. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm always willing to give it a go. You will eat that off the floor. I'm telling you. Yeah. You would not care. It's that yeah. good. They don't sell gravy in chip shops in London, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. To be honest, I don't really like any food in London that's British because, like, if it's it's either bland or, like, <laughs> you guys just get it all wrong. You get the spices all wrong. You mix things that don't need mixing. There's no salt. We don't put spices in our food. That's why it's so bland. But then what the hell do you have in your gravy? Just, um, like, pork blood or something. Yeah, probably. And, like, you can put soy sauce in. That's quite nice. That's not British. No, it's not. And what is brown sauce? Uh, it's, it's brown. I don't actually know. Isn't it? Is it vinegar? Does it taste like brown? I can't bring myself to try it. <laughs> no, it just tastes like it's a bit vinegary. I think it's got vinegar in it. I don't know. In Scotland, they put vinegar in tomato ketchup, and that is worse than brown sauce. I just think you guys should just stop, stop cooking, stop eating. Just stop. <laughs> Maybe that's why we're invaded everywhere. Yeah, that's a fact. Just want to test something. There was a joke that someone wrote, which I don't want to plagiarise. I'm just going to say someone did it, about how they spend all this time colonising different countries to steal their spices and just (laughs) not know how to use them. 
Yeah. Because we won't listen to people to tell us how to use them. Yeah, no, because you're too busy raping everyone and chaining them up. And... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I really need to stop doing that. Yeah, I think you should, you should feel really bad about yourself right now. Yeah, maybe that's why people are on a house share with me. Because mm, you keep colonising people and raping them. Yeah. Catherine, what are you like? I'm <laughs> a monster. <laughs> <laughs> So, how come you ended up doing journalism if you hate it so much? Oh. Is it a degree thing? Well, yeah. You see, um, I was kind of doing stuff after my first degree, which was development studies. And that stuff was not a lot. And so I tried to figure out what to do next. And then my university was offering a course where if you completed it, you could get a chance to go study in New York. Oh, nice. And so basically, I just wanted to get to New York. Yeah, that was fair. And so I did the one year <laughs> course <laughs> and happily did get to New York. So Oh great. Yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah. How's New York? Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say it was awful. Best year of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although like I'm not a journalist and I went to the journalism school, so I'm sorry about that. And they gave me a scholarship, so really sorry. One day I'll somehow repay you. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. I'm sure. Like, how many people actually do uh, jobs that are related to their degrees? Really? That's true. No. Yeah, that's very true. I have an ex-boyfriend who was in my journalism class in South Africa, and um, he uh, he was a journalist with me, and then he got a job working on a game farm in Zambia where he'd like be dealing with animals in the jungle basically and I asked him like what qualifications do you have to look after animals he's like no I'm not going to look after the animals I'm just going to be at the resort for the tourists so basically his job was to be an unthreatening white face in Africa (laughs) and his qualification was journalism so all he had to do was wear khaki and look friendly and got paid lots of money to live in a cabin in Zambia so yeah Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe one day we too could be living in a cabin in Zambia. I don't have the white male privilege friendly face. Damn. I've got the white privilege. You do. Do I have a friendly face? You have an adorable face. (laughs) Well, thank you. You have a friendly face. Yeah, but... And women are less threatening than men. I still look a bit too ethnic to pass in khaki. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe don't wear khaki? No, it's part of the job. You have to wear khaki to look authentic. Really? Yep. Damn it. And he's like hugging giraffes and stuff on his Facebook. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. How tall is that man? I mean, baby giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) He's, I don't know, heights. I don't even know what a tall height would be. Like eight foot? I'm short. (laughs) Yeah, eight foot is massive. Okay. Yeah, so he's eight feet tall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm Do you see, there's a, a museum in London, yeah. the Hunterian Museum, yeah. uh, and it's got loads of weird shit in it. You know, like back in Victorian times when there were like Victorian men who were like, I'm just going to collect kangaroo scrotums. And <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, sure, fine, you do it. <laughs> and they just did. So, like, but it's it's filled with weird stuff. And there's this man who was, I think he was an Irish guy, and he got, uh, what's that? I can't remember. He, he was ill, but yeah. at the time, the didn't recognise it as an illness and he was like seven foot tall yeah he was absolutely massive uh and they tried to do a lot of experiments on him 
uh, and he didn't like it. He's, he's like, I'm just a guy. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, and then he died and he was like, for the love of God, you're not allowed my skeleton. You're not allowed my body. Just leave me alone. Uh, and his skeleton is displayed in that museum. Oh, fuckers. I know. It feels, you're like, oh, wow, that's a tall guy. And then you read the placard and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have looked at that. You see, it's again with you white people and you're just wanting to experiment and everything and everything's a freak and... Mm. Just stop. Stop with all this nonsense. Stop exploiting the earth. I'm so Would sorry. You? He was white as well, though. Yeah, but still, it's just like this instinct in your blood that makes you do terrible things to your fellow human beings. Yeah. Fix that. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Hang on. I'll just call all the white people. Yes. You should Hello? claim responsibility for your actions. Yeah. It was me, personally. Yes, yes. I'm but... saying. <laughs> Talk that shit on that poor man. <laughs> Yeah, that's too. Poor white guy. Yeah, poor bastard. Uh, have you had any other awful, awful jobs? Uh, I mean, I actually thought when you pitched this to me that I was supposed to talk about my worst stand-up gigs, and I have one of those. Oh, shit, yeah, of course. Comedy, if it is not work, <laughs> I don't know what Exactly. It is. Jesus, workforce. You pay to work. Um, the hardest work you will ever do. Exactly. Oh, it's just gut-wrenching and terrible, but we do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had to do a gig for charity, and then they asked me how much I was going to get paid. And because it was a charity, I said £20. Yeah. And then, like, I showed up for the gig, and it was just, like, everyone was dressed up in, like, ball gowns. It was a really fancy charity gig. Right. And it was, like, a banquet, and the food was excellent. And I honestly showed up in a tracksuit I just <laughs> had no idea so I had to sit there with all these incredibly decked out women and it was only women and their children and then I got up to talk about people masturbating when they see me in public which is happens a lot <laughs> it happens when you're that cute um, and obviously no one laughed at my jokes and some of them had to like walk out with their kids <laughs> and I was just really just so embarrassed and then I started making lame jokes that my uncle used to make when I was a kid and they loved them and I was mm. just like holy crap I'm wasting my life <laughs> and uh and I I could have definitely charged at least a hundred pounds for that yeah and they should have said something but they were quite happy to pay me 20 pounds while everyone else was paying like 50 pounds coming to that fucking gig yeah so that was just very, very disappointing. That's a bit naff, isn't it? Yeah. Did they not mention anything? No, they were just like, oh, we're raising money. And they didn't show me any information about the thing. And I'm a nice person, Catherine. Yeah, you are. I'm a nice, generous, philanthropic saint of a woman. You are. You hold charity gigs. Held a, well, ch- a charity gig. That was probably another terrible job, you're right. But... That was a terrible job. <laughs> That's just, I think um, it's it's difficult when people ask you how much you want to get paid or how long you want to do. Yeah. Because I think as a nice person yeah. and also as women, yeah, you play yourself down a bit. Totally. And as a new, a new being someone under 10 years, yeah. new act. Yeah. You don't want to take the piss. Yeah. And bookers will take full advantage of that, even charities. 
Speaking of which, Catherine was kind enough to attend my charity gig, which had no audience, but she was very gracious, performed excellently to everyone's delight, and then I don't even think she got paid at the end, so thank you for that, Catherine. It had some audience. It was lovely. It was a wonderful time. Well, the lineup was sick, and I really feel bad that they didn't have a proper audience, but I will do better next time. It was a wonderful time. It did. Um, I ate my body weight in them little delicious baklavas oh that's good um and had lots of tea yeah that was nice that was your payment uh yeah that was great and then my friend rocked up late from work and he was hammered oh, and yeah. he was the only man <laughs> and uh, i could hear him coming through and was just thinking oh my god <laughs> oh don't say it please please and he was very well behaved he was i was just i was so frightened <laughs> as i could hear him noisily <laughs> Coming towards the venue. Oh no. (laughs) He was a delight. Yeah, he was lovely. He took all of the uh, abuse. Yeah, I was going to say jokes, but it was by the end just (laughs) abuse. Uh, Yeah, God bless him. Yeah. Yeah, That was lovely. Had a lovely time. Well, thank you for doing it. Yeah, it couldn't have been closer to where I work. That's true. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what uh, has been your best job? I really like waitressing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. I like hanging around crazy Arabs all day, getting free <laughs> food. Um, it's a job where you have to do very little thinking. Mm-hmm. And somehow I think that's what I'm made for, just thinking as little as possible. Yeah. So, good, good routine. It frees your mind up to think about other things. Yeah, ideally I try to switch that off and just not... Just switch the brain off altogether. But you're right. I do have time to think about other things. Yeah. And before you ask, because like I said, I thought it was the best and worst jobs in comedy. I actually just had my best gig on Friday. Oh, great. What was that? What were you doing? It was um, a little um, club called One Mile End. No, I can't remember. Oh, Comedy Comedy East. East, yeah. Yeah. Comedy East at One Mile End. Lovely little joint. The audience yeah. was great. There was about 10 people, which was really nice. But everyone was really chill, really open to laughing. And the MC was really good. He's a Mexican guy, and he gave really good woke comedy about representation of Mexicans in Hollywood. And then he spoke about the children in cages in America, which we should always keep at the tip of our brains. Yeah. Was and it Sean? MC? Yes. Yes. He's a lovely guy. Sean Sellers. We'll, plug. we'll use his full name. Why not? Yes, I didn't know his full name. So yeah. good. Thank you. Sean Sellers. Great host. Great uh, MC. Yeah. Typical Mexican name. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very white and blonde. So. Yeah. Clearly you could pick him out of a crowd very easily. <laughs> yeah. That's the Mexican guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does keep, he says, a mini sombrero in his pocket for such events. Yeah. Anyways, and then I was really happy because I'm really sick of my material and I'm too lazy to write any new material and I just didn't feel like doing my material. And as I started, um, I started interacting with someone in the audience about what he was saying about Sean before I got on stage. And then he was saying how Sean actually looks like a movie star. And then I was like, so what do I look like? And he said to me, you look like you make an effort, which (laughs) is the most romantic thing anyone's ever said to me. So uh, from there, we just hit it off, and I got to do a lot of crowd work, which I never do because it makes me too nervous. Yeah. So all my material just went back into my pocket, and I made fun of this guy who, at some point, so when he told me that I look like I make an effort, 
That is a half-assed compliment, the kind that an Asian dad would give. So I said, I guess all Asians are the same because he was clearly Asian. And then he said, I am not Asian. I am Italian. And he stuck to that story for the whole 10 minutes that we spoke. Really? Yeah. He insisted that he was Italian. And so that gave me a lot of fodder to take the piss out of him. And the audience loved it. And I loved it. And I had so much fun. And I think that's it. I've reached my peak. So I'm retiring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do no more now. Yeah. Best gig ever. God on a high note. (laughs) Fair enough. It's a nice club, that. It is. I like what they've done. I'm going there this evening. Um, Oh. Yeah. They're lovely, lovely people. They've made a real nice go of it. Yeah. Comedy's on. It's about five, six nights a week, right? Four nights, Mondays, yeah. Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's lovely. Mm. I remember getting in there and being like, I'm, I've been here before, but I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> when. <laughs> uh, I used to drink around there a lot when I was at, um, at uni. Oh, so you used to be around East London? Yeah. Uh, my uni wasn't near there. I just <laughs> <laughs> had friends. <so. laughs> East London rocks. I love East London. Yeah, it's delightfully rough. Yeah, it reminds it? me of Johannesburg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never been. Yeah, surprising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's quite a long way. Can't Judging by your pale uh, demeanour. Would I not cop? I think maybe you should go north, further north. Not south. Yeah. <laughs> north. Yeah, the south don't want me. Question. How many times have you visited the Anne Frank Museum? Twice. <laughs> and how did you feel? Uh, it was... I don't know. Have you been? No. No. Don't be asked. Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, I have always really liked her since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I think probably because I started reading this stuff at the same time. Like, what similar age to she was. Okay. So... You can relate a little bit, can't yeah. you? I mean, I wasn't being persecuted like she was, but the other bit, mm. sort of. Um, Quite privileged, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it was quite sobering, mm-hmm. but also nice to have been where she has been. Mm, very touching. Yeah. I would recommend going there. Okay. Yeah. Thank you always too long, though. Well, they've made it now so that you have to book online. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so that you don't have to queue. Because okay. the first time I went, you had to just, just join this queue for six days. Uh, and then <laughs> had my ex-boyfriend bring me things in Amsterdam. <laughs> so it was like I'd been on holiday. Uh, yes. Cool. <laughs> Did you go specifically to Amsterdam to go to the museum? No. Oh. Well, you're not a real fan then, are you? No. No. I'm sure there are bigger fans. Yeah, you're just a poser. I am. <laughs> Disappointing. Yeah, I do it because all the cool kids Yeah, are. exactly. And who isn't into Anne Frank these days? And you, I liked her before she was cool. Exactly, right? Yeah. Back in the 40s. Exactly. When she was a nobody. <laughs> yes. I was a young Asian baby walking around Berlin. Uh, Amsterdam. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Same thing. It's <laughs> yeah, all in Europe. Yeah. Like Africa. Exactly. Just, just one country, isn't the it? country of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, shall we do a historical? Yes. Bad job. Um, I read them from this book, uh, 
by Tony Robinson uh, of Baldrick. So he's not the horrible politician? Uh, no, that's an, another one. Okay. I, I assume. I don't know. I'm here. It's uh, not bad. Apparently it's a Channel 4 documentary. Oh. But, um, what isn't these days? I know, right? Uh, so uh, this episode, it's um, Tudor times, mm-hmm. a gong scourer. Good times. Um, which the question is, how many gongs were there that needed scouring in Tudor times? But it turns out uh, that, like most words, uh, gong was just another word for dung. Oh. So they, they just cleaned up shit. Um, but um, apparently in the 1500s, the population of London rose by 400%. Okay. Uh, which meant that there was one toilet to every 20 households, oh. which is pretty gross. I'm pretty current as well, pretty relevant today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which 20 households yeah. do you share your toilets with? Um, three Jamaicans, a couple of Somalis. Oh, man. Mm. Imagine it just be like a festival toilet. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That is, it's a festival. We eat delightful, delicious food and then we all share toilets. Yeah. Here's a question. Here's something I have to say. Yeah. You guys, and Mm. when I say you guys, I mean the white race. Yeah. You do try really hard to talk about your heritage. Yeah. And this is your heritage. Yeah. This is the interesting thing about you guys, that people used to share toilets and scour for stuff and shit. So what, what, what else? Tell me. Tell me more about this fascinating, exotic Oh, this guy. Uh, well, apparently they'd also dump uh, dead babies. Well, unwanted babies, which I think means that they weren't dead at the time. Oh, my God. They just took them in the toilet. Uh, contraception in the 1500s. Mm. Uh, but also uh, the the guys would have to, a lot of them would die of uh, being asphyxiated by uh, hydrogen sulfide poisoning. Because there's a lot of shit in there. I mean, it's not a civilised people. No. This is European civilization at its peak. Yeah, 1500s. Yeah. Kings and queens. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about the Tudor times. I don't care to know much about the Tudor times. It's a long, long time ago. I just feel like I just find it really hard to be interested in uh, European history. Mm. Very wary. Yeah, very wary, very rapey. A lot of feces. Uh, yeah. yeah, all the time. You guys really overshare about that part of your heritage. Yeah, like most of those jobs in that book are about we had african queens bathing in milk and honey yeah and you guys were like bathing every seven years maximum and that was just like the royalty like the privilege of royalty Mm -hmm. bullshit (laughs) so mad yeah (laughs) tell us it's fine get it on record For all 15 people that listen to this podcast. Like, I walk around London and everyone tells me I'm supposed to care about the Tower Hill and all this, like, rickety old fucking furniture and buildings. And I'm just like, I could, I just can't find it in myself. Not even in the deepest core of my sphincter <laughs> to give any shits about British heritage. 
we kind of put it on people. Yeah, yeah, you try really hard to make it interesting with the puppies and the memorials. It's just not, it's just not, guys. <laughs> yeah. And when was the Victorians? Before the Tudors or after? After. Okay. I don't know the order of things. Do you know when the Elizabethan era was? Was that, that was before Victoria, right? I don't know, man. And then it was, because Victoria was the one that had loads of grandkids that went and became, like, heads of, like, kings and queens across Europe that really fucked shit up. Like in inbreds. Yeah. Pretty gross. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just, like, we've got to stop learning about you guys. Yeah, I honestly don't know why we still have them. Hmm. They, they shouldn't be around. No, they're weird wigs and yeah corsets. Yeah, I don't know if the Queen wears a corset. She's in her nineties. I feel like she definitely wears spanks at least. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we ask her? Yeah. When you have her over to drink from your special guest glass. Yeah, water. sure. <laughs> A guest tankard, <laughs> uh, because I live in Sherd Housing and don't have many glasses. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, do you have any other job-related tales? Um, All comedy ones. Yeah, you know, I, I think, and this I'm going to share with you now, I'm sure everyone who knows me knows. I am probably the laziest person to have <laughs> ever existed. My jobs are interchangeable. My, I just put in the least amount of effort in whatever I do. Yeah. And mostly out of luck, I fall ass backwards into opportunities. <laughs> and then I just ghost until the opportunity sort of gives itself up. Yeah. So this is the existence that I've chosen to take. This and ranting about white people. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I'm, I'm pretty happy, pretty comfortable. I think if everyone can live like me, things would be better. Yeah. I never keep a job for longer than three years. That's the longest I've kept a job. Um, I care about one as much as I care about the other or as little. Mm-hmm. And I find, and this is important, this is an important lesson for the young people out there. The less you care the better you are at your job because you don't argue that much because you don't feel the need to defend yourself and you don't give a shit what people think about you. And that's pretty much what all employers want is just someone who shuts up and just nods along. Yeah. And underachieves so that they look good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's it. Wise words. I know. What was the three-year job? It was... Uh, I just kept going back to Reuters and then quitting and then going back again. So that happened like over the course of three years. Fair. And what was the job that you did to get glasses? That was my Reuters job. Okay. <laughs> That's my only legitimate job I think that I've ever had. Yeah. Which is, I screwed up. Is that the one that like you keep leaving like, screw you guys, I'm going to go and do something else. And then you're like, oh, no. I'm That's back. exactly right. I'm nodding vehemently right now. That's the job. Everybody has that job. Oh, I think. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, yeah, the partner that you can't give up. Yeah. Because it's comfortable. Yeah. That's the job. And then eventually you move and you can't get there anymore. Yeah. And... Or they figured out that you just can't do anything. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but after three years. 
I used to go to the movies in the middle of the day <laughs> and no one would know that no one would notice that I was missing. So mm. I don't know what that says about my performance. <laughs> I have a dream job. I know. It was so good. That's my, like, that's what I always go for. Like, the one that requires the least amount of effort. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it as well, isn't it? It's, uh, you have to decide whether you're doing it for any kind of fulfillment. Yeah. Which you have comedy for. Or if you're doing it for... Just to earn money. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say I have comedy for fulfillment either. <laughs> I apologise. I yeah, feel like I'm that's some... very presumptuous of you. <laughs> Sweeping statements. <laughs> <laughs> Does comedy fulfil you? Uh, it provides a certain level of creative fulfillment. I think. Yeah. Is it your? Is that? Is that your end game, or are you using comedy to get somewhere else? I would like to do just comedy really yeah it annoys me when you see actors that are like i'm just going to start doing stand-up and yeah. then i can become a comedic actor I'm like, yeah. no yeah. <laughs> stop tainting my thing <laughs> yeah because you're really good at it you write really good jokes oh, i don't know i haven't written anything for so long um oh, okay good i'm glad been... you said that because i was feeling bad but the stuff that um the stuff that you'd read out of those like cheap magazines and people actually thought that it was the content of the magazine and you'd not actually written those jokes yourself. Yeah, that's mad. People <laughs> actually believe the bullshit that I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so convincing. So that means you've got a talent. Yeah, for writing mock uh, That's Life articles. <laughs> I should be doing journalism. Um shouldn't be doing journalism. No, yeah, we need people like you. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start our own magazine. <laughs> Can't half, be asked. <laughs> Sorry. Half of it will be lies and half of it will be <laughs> about finance. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, sure. We can make up the lies about finance too. There's really no, there's no grey area. You're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> Everything will be fine post-Brexit. Let me say something. I, I am a good journalist in the sense that I have really great ideas yeah. for stories. Really good. I know this because I get scooped by The Guardian like three years after I think of something. Yeah. The thing is, I don't have the go-getting energy to actually take that idea and turn it into content. Yeah. That's where the, the laziness square sort of Venn diagram intersects. So I have I have ideas all the time, yeah, and that's it. And then I just wait for the Guardian to write the story three years later. <laughs> Fair enough. I had st- I had one about cartoons in the Middle East even before the Syrian War, before it all became cool. I had it. I I had the idea. Yeah, it was a killer idea. That was two thousand and ten. Yeah, and then the Guardian did it in two thousand and sixteen, and I'll never forget it. No, mm. did you write in? No, because I was just, it was like a release, you know, that finally I could let go of that idea that I never actually put into action. Yeah. That's the release of being scooped. Yeah. yeah. Would you ever put them into action? What would be the thing that pushed you into it? How much, how little work it would actually entail. Fair enough. Have I mentioned that I'm lazy? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> I'm an ambitious person. Yeah? No. No. <laughs>
Leave that for other people. Yeah. Mission is for suckers. It is. <laughs> because there can only be so many footballers and singers and TV comedians. Yes. And, you know, good people who do good things that change the world. Yeah. But suckers on their own, man. Yeah. Good luck to them. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. It's a lot of drive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just... I'm just exhausted, I'll be honest, Catherine. <laughs> and the less I do, the more tired I become. Yeah. That's um, difficult, isn't it? <laughs> but you, um, are you pursuing the comedy? Do you see it as a, a job? No, no, or... it's a pastime for me. Fair enough. Yeah. I love it. I love doing it. I love writing jokes. But I, I kind of, after seeing, there was a time when I really envisioned being like on a panel on QI or something and interacting with all these funny people but then I realized that that panel never changes for like decades and it's just also stagnant and you just the status quo just is so pervasive that I don't really I, I, I'm not interested in it anymore if I could get on Russell Brand's YouTube channel that'd be fine yeah it's um yeah I mean you've you've done well in competitions haven't you very well yeah so it's uh you certainly could pursue it uh and i think that really the only uh from what i've seen the only thing that would stop you ever being a comedian is giving up because there are some awful acts that have got jobs doing it because they just kept doing it for like 15 years (laughs) Do you intend to do that? Not that you're an awful act, you're a great act. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really dial it down and become terrible. <laughs> I'm going to go with no material, uh, but try and do edgy stuff about, yeah. like, sexism and, um, you know, Brexit. Oh, uh, saucy. Yeah. yeah very controversial. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That'd be awful. <laughs> I don't see any of your, you know... Uh, Historic. I mean, what about this? Um, I'm just so amazed by this Anne Frank obsession. <laughs> what of it? How do you not write about that in your comedy? I mean, I know it's tough material. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like you, I don't know, should you joke about the past? Everyone jokes about the past. Yeah. But when the past is killing children. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's, it'll take a very um, specific type of comedy. Yeah. And also... Uh, if you start writing stuff about that particular branch of history, uh, there is the whole, uh, you could be branded a racist. Yeah, but like, just by virtue of you being white, you're already a racist, so why don't you just do whatever you want? Yeah, I suppose we're all born yeah, racist. It's inherent, we? yeah. Yeah, white people. Because as we well know, people of other races cannot be racist. Exactly. <laughs> fact. That is yeah. a fact. Yeah. That is a stone cold fact. <laughs> I said that jokingly to a guy I used to work with, and he laughed, cried with laughter for a solid five minutes, <laughs> which is a long time. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a long time, but it is. No, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, he, I think he was a racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know Catherine, audience... <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> for like I think three years now yeah, because when on. I first moved to London I went to do the funny woman 
Yeah, it was on a boat. Yeah, yeah. That was and weird. without giving away too much, Catherine told what is still one of my favourite jokes of all time, <laughs> which she did get into trouble for, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I've been her fan since then because it was a good joke. It was politically conscious. It was funny as fuck, and I've written it down, and I shade all the time. <laughs> and uh, she should have been allowed to continue telling it. Well, that's very kind of you. Mm. Uh, but it was also about an ex-boyfriend, and I don't think the current one would be like, yeah, <laughs> keep telling jokes about your ex, sure. Well, um, that's weird, because, I mean, you know, as comedians, sometimes we tell jokes of, like, things that recently happened to us, or people we've seen, or our children, and none of these things actually exist, but it's just for the material. Yeah. So is everything you say the truth? Not everything, but a lot of it's based in truth. So that means if a development in your life changes, you don't actually tell the jokes from that previous time. Uh, or I try and dot to them so that it's not about that anymore. Okay, well, that's really healthy. And uh, what's it like? So talking about like love and sex when you have a partner. Uh, it's quite easy because he, he is also a comedian. Yeah, so he does get that sometimes it's, it's just the joke. Yeah. So then what the hell's his problem? Oh, it's not his problem. It's very much my problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I feel uneasy doing it. How do you feel doing jokes like that? Uh, I'll milk anything for a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I take the piss out of. I mean, we all we take the piss out of our dads. Sometimes we tell stories about our dads that never happened. Yeah. But because you know it makes our dads look like imbeciles, and that's funny. We we do it. Yeah. So is yours not best in truth? Your comedy. Unfortunately, it is. I wish it wasn't. Because <laughs> I've always said that if I didn't joke about my life, I would kill myself. Yeah. So this is just the less uh, difficult path. Fair enough. I don't, I don't. It's not that bad, is it? <laughs> I actually have a great life. Yeah. I have a great life. And this is why I think that the world is coming to an end. Because I'm unhappy and my life is fantastic. So, like, what about people who have really bad lives? How do we do this for another, like, 50, 60 years? Well, I heard that it's part of the human condition that you uh, will never be happy. Yeah, that's true. Um, people say that it's actually an unrealistic goal because no one can be consistently happy forever. You can mm. have moments of happiness and moments of sadness, but not, like, perpetual happiness. Yeah, because I suppose as hunter-gatherers... Yeah. If you were like, I am absolutely fulfilled and happy now, then you wouldn't eat and you'd die. Well, if you look at it that way, my lack of ambition might be a sign of my contentment and happiness. Yeah. So I am eating, but I'm not like foraging desperately for something else. Yeah. You don't have to. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I feel good. It's <laughs> yeah, good. It's a good place to be. I always think it's not what you're doing, it's who you're doing it with. That's also very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have... Doing this with you, <laughs> keep you going for another couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> and you have your wonderful waitressing job that you like. I do. I do. Yeah. There is one chef who's a complete dick. Yeah. And he bullies me. And then the other misogynist Arab men just think it's because he has a crush on me, so nothing really gets done about it. 
Yeah. And he doesn't give me food sometimes. When I ask, and he'll give everyone else what they ordered and I don't get the food. Poor bastard. I know. And then I have to just pretend like, oh, we're just joshing. You know, we're just one of the guys. But he's a dick. He's mm. an absolute dick. Most chefs, in my experience, are dicks, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, what's their attitude? Like, what's it about? I don't know. I think it's because they're stressed and warm all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but also... <laughs> That is very much true of the waiting staff. <laughs> That's true. And if you swear back, then it's so much worse. Exactly. Like, they can dish it out, but they can't take it at all. Yeah. It's uh, it's mad. There's another chef. And I'm, I'm being so candid right now, and it's only because I hope that this audience is small. Yeah, it is. Don't worry. But um, there is another <laughs> chef who gambles. And so, like, on his break, he, like, gambles on his phone, and then he comes back, like all stressed thinking about the gambling and then when you give him an order he gets mad like that's not his job to cook the orders <laughs> i am a gambler i'll have you know <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird like he just doesn't like when you give him orders for food the chef <laughs> does he not like being a chef is that it i think that might be it yeah but he's there we have to deal with him <laughs> other than those two horrible chefs my job is great yeah what, uh, what, Arab food? Yes. Where from? Arabia. <laughs> All <laughs> of it. <laughs> Lebanese, Palestinian, it's Hibba in Holborn. It's actually a fantastic restaurant, great staff. Yeah. Really, really good food, like, really good food. Yeah, I'll have to go. Yeah, I'll get you some falafel from yeah. the house. <laughs> <laughs> I like falafel. I like falafel. Actually, I don't like falafel, but at this restaurant, I really like the falafel. It must be very good. It's for that. that good. Yeah. I think I might have some tonight. Yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. If the chef allows. <laughs> Maybe he's flirting with you. Yeah, yeah. It's clearly sexy bullying. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would imagine that as adults, you could probably just say it. That's what you would think, right? Mm-hmm. I'm um, pretty sure he hates me and everyone else is wrong and it's not a crush on me and he just loathes me and yeah. wants to show it. But how could anyone loathe you? That's a fair question. That is a fair question. I'll be honest. I have no enemies. No. I never get angry. No. But this guy, he's my nemesis. What did he do? This is what I'd like to know because I just walked into the restaurant as a new waitress one day and he just scowled at me every single day. And then I decided to break the ice and then we became friends and then we joked around. And then he just decided that he didn't want that anymore and just started scowling at me again. Oh. So, clearly my uh, charm wore off. Yeah. I'm sure you can reignite the charm. I'm done. Done with him. (laughs) It's over between us, chef. If you're listening. (laughs) Which you obviously are. Yeah, of course, sure. On your break. To share it into, like, the work group chat or something. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't edit this. I say that I don't edit it yeah. uh, because I like the um, the organic chat. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is, I don't know how to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this podcast. This might actually be the birthday podcast. First birthday. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Um, yeah. One whole year. A whole year of doing it. How um, many do you do? Uh, it's like once a month. Okay. So, so 12. Yeah. That's a lot of podcasts. Well, I think this is episode 15. Strangely. I've got a bit overexcited one month <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah yeah I still haven't learned how to edit well that's fine because I'd be too lazy to edit and I'd also use my artistic integrity to say 
it's for the candid chat. Yeah, that yeah. is exactly why I've not learned how to yeah, edit. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, uh, I think we've done our time, but if you uh, have anything you would like to plug, plug mm-hmm. away. I'm going to be at Comedy East tomorrow with Sean Sellers, who we've established is really great. So that's tomorrow evening. and uh, yeah, This will be going out in September. Right. So see you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> yeah, come, come tomorrow. Yeah. The 2nd of September. Okay, I will book something for the 3rd of September. Yeah. So you can come to that. Yeah, but it has to be at Comedy East. Right, I just realised that. Okay, so that's fine. And Sean <laughs> has to be free as well. I'll call him, it'll be fine. I got it sorted. I'll do it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you. This is so much fun. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. Lovely to chat to you. Likewise. Uh, now press the stop button.